0: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. My name is Derek. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Uh, and uh, this morning, uh, obviously, we are celebrating Christmas. It's kind of neat having Christmas Eve on Sunday. kind of threw us for a, a loop, like, what are we going to do this year? Well, let's do normal service and then 1 o'clock. So we'll see what 1 o'clock looks like. Uh, but y'all showed up today, so that's great. In uh, 1914, um, if you remember, there was what was called World War I. World War I was, was the war to end all wars. 20 million souls perished in World War I. It was pretty significant. That was, that was the war when kind of new uh, military aspects came in, and again, destruction was great, but yet it wasn't what we have today, and so there was still close-up Fighting. And in World War I in 1914, uh, they were battling the Germans and the British, and they had, it was trench warfare, right, where they, they dug these trenches, and they, they lived in the trenches, and of course would be shooting across what they called no man's land at the enemy. Well, Christmas Eve, 1914, there they are, right, it's, it's cold, it's winter, it's Christmas Eve, And the shooting stops. Not everywhere, just in one section of the line, the shooting stops. And pretty soon, the Germans started yelling out, Merry Christmas, Englishmen. And after that, these Germans started singing Christmas carols. Then the British started singing Christmas carols back. It was this weird thing that happened once and really never again. It spilled over into the next day where the peace continued, right? The the ceasefire continued. And again, nobody told him to. It just happened until some brave soul walked out into no man's land, right out in the middle. They could have been shot. And then another one. Pretty soon, a whole group from either side met in the middle of no man's land in this time of peace on Christmas Day, and they began exchanging things. Uh, a German saw a British and liked his buttons, so he cut it off, they traded buttons. Uh, others, uh, uh, an Englishman wrote home, he said, Mom, you won't believe it. Uh, I drank some, some rum today that I was given by a German. Uh, an Englishman writes, he remembers looking over and seeing one of his fellow soldiers with a German on his knees before him and he's giving him a haircut. Because this German had let himself go while out there on the battlefield and there he is giving him a haircut. Uh, then somebody brought out a soccer ball and they had this this peaceful, informal soccer match right in the middle. The next day, the peace ceased and they went back to killing one another. Isn't that what peace is kind of like on earth, right? Every Christmas we sing about Peace, peace on earth. Um, Or we listen to Amy Grant sing about it. But, right, we we think about peace, but peace on earth is always so fleeting. It happens a little bit. You know, in this country, we've been blessed to have really extended times of peace, at least on on our soil. But around the world, it's not that way. I mean, we can look at Israel right now in that area, Ukraine, and elsewhere in the world that doesn't get as much press. Uh, Peace on earth is fleeting, But yet, again, on that 1914 Christmas Day, there was peace just for a little while. Why is it that peace is so fleeting? Is it possible for peace to last? You know, this Christmas Day, uh, I think we think about this, and we think about world peace, you know, if we're in a beauty pageant, what is it? What do you want? World peace. That's what they all say. But bring that down. World peace would be great, but what about peace in our own lives? peace in our families. Christmas is the time when families get together, right? And raise your hand, don't raise your hand, if that tough person is going to be there this year. Raise your hand if you are that tough person. <laughs> okay, a couple of you actually did, right? But, but, but right, peace, we, we, we desire peace, peace within our families, peace within our closest relationships. And the question is, is this peace possible? Right? We just heard uh, Katie over here reading in, in Luke, where the angel said in Luke 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's going to be our main verse today. And if you want to turn there, it's Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Um, it's page 949 in the Bible in front of you. Page 949. And here again, these angels refer to Jesus. Right? And they say, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, our series, we are finishing up our series, He Shall Be Called, which is actually based in Isaiah 9 6. Isaiah 9, 6, the, this prophet, and, and you don't have to turn there. You can if you want, but the scripture is going to be on the screen. In Isaiah 9, 6, there is a prophet 700 years before Jesus is born. And they are in a tough time right there in, in Judah where nations are coming against them. And their king is kind of a knucklehead making bad choices and people are dying for it. And, and in that context, he makes a prediction of the coming king, the coming Messiah, who would have certain names and who would bring... And in Isaiah 9, 6, he says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the name we're looking at today, Prince of Peace. The Messiah, Jesus, born, is our Prince of Peace. Of Peace. What does that mean? Well, we've already seen that Jesus is our perfect, wise advice giver, right? Wonderful counselor. We've seen that Jesus is God in flesh, right? The eternal king. We saw that last week. He is fully God, fully man, eternal. But what about, again, this prince of peace? Because if you're like me, you read this, right? This was predicted 700 years before Jesus came. Then it's been about 2,000 years since Jesus left. We haven't seen a whole lot of peace, right? The last century was the deadliest in all of history. So what about this peace? What does this mean? Well, in Isaiah, the context there, again, they are being attacked. So he talks about this prince of peace. In their mind, they would be thinking peace, right? They would be thinking, like absence of war, peace, peace among nations. And in Isaiah 2, 4, we see this prediction says, he shall judge, referring to this Messiah to come, this son to be born. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Right, so this was the prediction, but why have we not seen that yet? Well, uh, last week, Ben... Got to teach, and, and he looked at, at two big names. and He texted me and said, You've given me too much. I can't cover all this in one week. I said, Well, good luck. Um, but he, he held back, and he shared some good insight on this idea of, of peace. That if you look at Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, where we see the fall in Genesis chapter 3, and the curse that came from the fall, what is happening there? The curse is actually a breakdown of peace. When the woman sinned, and the man was with her, equal guilt right? Then they stand before God and God gives down the curse. There is going to be enmity between the woman and the serpent, right? A breakdown of peace between her and, and Satan specifically, right? And nature there. And the woman's desire will be for her husband and he shall rule over her. What's that Marriage is going to be tough, (laughs) right? There's going to be difficulty between men, a breakdown of peace. And then to the man, the curse, the land is now going to bear thorns and thistles and goat heads for you. It's going to, right? They had work before, but now work would be hard with the land, a breakdown of peace. Well, here's what we need to understand about Jesus and the Messiah. God, in his omnipotence, omniscience, his plan, when we messed it up with sin, was to restore it. The Messiah came to restore what was broken. So when Jesus was born, he was beginning that process of restoration. When he died on the cross and said it is finished, right? He began the completion of that restoration. It won't be fully restored till he comes back. Right? But his goal was to restore what was broken. And we look at the course, what was the curse, what was broken? Peace. First, peace between man and God. Then peace between man and nature and between men and women and men, right? A breakdown of peace. God came. He sent Jesus to restore that peace. That is the theme, really, of Scripture is restoration. It's beautiful. Now, in Isaiah 2, 4, he talks about this earthly peace where where kingdoms and nations will, will take their swords and turn them into pruning hooks. That is still future, just if you're curious. That prediction is still future. When Jesus returns, he is going to fulfill that, and there will be perfect peace because Jesus will be the king sitting on throne on earth, whether it's this earth or a new heaven, a new earth, that's unclear, but when Jesus returns, we will have that peace. It is still to come, but that's the latter days. What about now? What about now? Let me... Let me give you a little bit of insight. We are not going to experience peace on earth the way this predicts until Jesus returns. Uh, There can be increase in times, I think, in peace in areas and places. But if your hope is for this utopia on earth before Christ returns, it's not going to happen. This is an election year. If you think by electing whoever, we're going to get a utopia, it hasn't worked yet, ever Now, I'm saying you should still vote. Like, let's do the best we can. Let's be involved. But if your hope is that the government is going to create some kind of, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be that kind of peace until Jesus returns. But back to Luke. I want you to look at Luke 2.14 one more time. The angels are saying this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That looks like more of a present term. Present tense, peace. That's a peace now. And and it's with a certain group. It's not with everybody, it looks like, right? Isaiah, peace on earth. This is connected to that. The peace on earth begins with peace in a soul, in a person, right? So Jesus came to restore. Here's what he had to restore first. Later, he's going to restore perfect peace between men and women, men and nature, all that. First, he had to restore our relationship with God and bring peace there. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he made peace between us and God possible. Perfect peace, eternal peace, complete peace between us and God. That's what he came the first time. Now, I want to look at this name, Prince of Peace, because let me tell you, if you can understand and apply this name, this name of Jesus, this name of the Messiah, to you, then you and I can experience peace here, now, and, and here's what's really cool about this peace. It's not dependent on outside circumstances. It's not dependent on a vote going our way. It's not dependent on our kids being perfect. It's not dependent on our parents being perfect. I, any of that, right? We can have peace on earth in our own hearts, and our own lives, when we understand what this means. So, Prince of Peace, what is that? Prince. When you think of prince, you probably think of entitled British prince who has all these medals that did nothing to earn them, and is rich, right? I mean, that's what we think about. That's not what this word means. Prince, this word is better translated chief or commander. It's the one in charge. But prince fits because Jesus is the son of God. And so he is the prince. He is royalty. But this word really means commander or chief. He's the one in charge. Or we, we can use the word lord. Lord, Jesus is Lord, right? In Romans, right, we see that, that for salvation, we must confess Jesus as Lord, meaning there's a surrender to a king here. This is Jesus. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is Prince, the one in charge. Uh, Christmas, right, we, we picture Jesus in the manger. He didn't stay there. God didn't send Jesus just to, to make us feel good at Christmas. Uh, God sent Jesus to actually Grow up, die on the cross, and become our prince of peace. So he grew up again to become the one in charge, and he grew up to save us from sin, absolutely. But salvation and life, this life of peace is not one of just I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. This is one of peace here and now. It's beautiful. This is what he was called to be. Now, Real quick, I, I want to address this part because there's a little tension here. Okay, Jesus is Prince of Peace uh, to bring peace on earth. We don't see peace on earth, but he can bring peace among people. Why this trouble? I, I think Matthew ten thirty four helps us. Jesus says this, Do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring p- peace, but a sword. And, and after that, he goes on to say, there's going to be problem in families. Mom against daughter-in-law. Father against son. There's going to be a lack of peace within families because some will surrender to Jesus as Lord and others will not. And maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've experienced surrendering to Jesus and your family being like, what, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Right, and they're coming after you, whatever that is. Jesus predicted that that would be the case, that, that there would be a lack of peace even within families because of him. Why is that? Well, again, before Jesus could set up a perfect earthly kingdom, he had to make a way for us to be right with God. He did that through his death and resurrection. Jesus is the only way to be right with God. There's one God. And I know our culture loves to say there are many ways to heaven. Believe what you want to believe, and that's good for you, and this is good for me. Here's the truth, and we all know it at our heart level if we admit it. There is absolute truth right? It, we can't think we can fly and jump off a cliff and actually, no, there's truth. You're going to die. You're going to fall. There is truth. There's one God revealed in Jesus Christ. There's one way to be right with him. And that is Jesus' death and resurrection, faith in him. And that is it. That does not sound good to everybody. Because what does it begin with? Sin. You are a sinner. Well, I've never right? We, ooh, that feels bad. Oh, and what you believe, if it's not Jesus, is wrong. Ooh, that does not feel good. That does not... So we should learn how to say that loving. But at its core, that does not bring peace to the person who does not want to accept it. The person who wants to reject God, that does not bring peace. I had a really good example. So last Sunday, um, I was very blessed to be at my grandma's funeral. And she was a godly woman who, I mean, it was just a, a wonderful celebration. Um, and then even going to the, to the gravesite and had a little service there and just seeing some of the other gravestones, my dad and I had a chance to walk around and look. And, and some have, like, Bronco flags on them. Like, this is what brought this person peace, was cheering for the Broncos so they had no peace in life. Um, <laughs> right? Um, there was one that had Vikings in Colorado. I'm not sure why. Um, I didn't kick that one over, but I thought about it. But, but you, you look there, and you see what brought people peace. Well, luckily for me, my grandma uh, was a godly woman who loved the Lord, and, and I got to be part of the service, and my brother-in-law was part of the service, and we both grabbed two of her older Bibles um, that had notes in it and, and underlined. And one of the things I wanted to look at, she had underlined in 1965 written next to it. But kind of cool, but that was, that was her. So I got to do part of that service. And at the end, a lot of people were asking, "Have you done a lot of funerals? And and what are other ones like?" And there was one that just always comes to mind um, because it was somebody. I'm not going to name them. It was somebody who is not part of church, never been part of church. Um, we were just acquaintances. And they said, "Well, can you?" He came said, "My, my mother-in-law died. Can you do the funeral?" I said, "Well, let's meet. <laughs> I, I'd be honored to." So I met with with the the few people who were you know older in, in life, um, and I said. I sat down with these three siblings. I said, tell me about your mom. This is what we do for funerals, right? And they told me about their mom, whatever. Not someone who knew the Lord. Not someone who loved the Lord. Um, and so I, I shared the gospel with, with these three. And, and it began with sin. And actually, this is the first time anybody's ever said this. I said, you guys have all sinned, right? And one, no, I've never sinned. You're 60 years old. You've never sinned, never. You've never told a lie your entire life, never. Okay, this is gonna be tough, <laughs> right? But, but with them, I... I shared with them the good news of Jesus. Salvation right there. And I said, I am happy to do this funeral. But just so you know, every single one that I do, I'm going to share the gospel. Because at a funeral, people think about death and eternity. I'm going to share the good news of Jesus. Is that okay with you? Yes. At that funeral. Again, we did all this stuff that you normally do at a memorial service. And I got to the point where I started talking about Jesus. And I have never seen such vitriol and vehemence, if that's a word, in the crowd. When I started talking about Jesus, sin, his death, people started moving. Everybody was fit. People started moving. I saw two men try to get up and their wives held them down. <laughs> that's not a joke. Others were grumbling. The idea of the, the, the absolute truth of Jesus does not bring peace to the person who, who doesn't want to accept it. It brings the opposite of peace. So this idea of peace, again, first it begins with a person in God, and later it's gonna be peace on earth, but but for now, again, I wanna bring that clear, it's gonna be between us and him and in our own lives. The exclusive claims of Jesus will be divisive. That doesn't mean we should shy away from them, right? But it does mean we're okay with that. We recognize that's true. We live that out, and then we seek the peace in our own hearts Now, again in Luke, this looks like present tense, but not for everybody. Again, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who is that? Who is it that God is pleased with? It is the one who by faith bows the knee to Jesus as Lord. That's it. Not the one who lives perfectly, (laughs) Right, right? Our acceptance to God is based purely on Jesus his perfect life, his death and resurrection. And then God looks at those and says, I am pleased and peace is now possible among that group. So guess what? If that's you, you can have peace and you can be a bringer of peace. So tomorrow, Christmas day, you can bring peace to that family gathering if you surrender to Christ. Well, let's look at peace, right? We already saw Prince, this idea, the Messiah is our Prince of Peace. Prince, the one in charge of peace. What is Peace. Well, the the Hebrew word that we see there in Isaiah is shalom, and you've probably heard that word, and it's the same idea in the New Testament, but that idea of of peace really means completeness. It means things the way they're supposed to be. That's what peace is. So so Jesus came to be our, our chief, our king, our ruler, our prince of the way things are supposed to be, and when things are operating the way they're supposed to be, there is peace, And so how it's supposed to be, we're supposed to be right with God. So we surrender to him as Lord, right? And that relationship is restored. We start to be the way things are supposed to be. But then there's a process, right? We surrender to Jesus, we're still got sin in us. And so he begins this process of changing us and peace can grow as we learn his word and submit more and more to him. But this peace, again, it's completeness. In John 14, Jesus says this, peace I leave to you, with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, I love this passage in John 14. All around this, the, the disciples are worried because Jesus said, I, I'm leaving. They're like, Well, where are you going? <laughs> we thought you were going to be the Messiah, the King on earth. Where are you going? Can we go there too? And he starts talking about heaven, and they're worried, right? They're concerned. He's like, no, there's going to be space for you there. We're going to be together later. You know, there's going to be a new heaven, new, all that stuff. But for now, until I return, my peace I give to you. You can have peace, now completeness, wholeness. That is really good news. And, and if you're confused on this, you've got to come back the next few weeks. We're going to be back in Hebrews and seeing in some of this how God can make us complete and whole in this life. But at peace, Jesus, it's the same principle that we see with even our mission statement. Jesus said, I came that they may have life, and have it abundantly, right? Maybe you're not used to going to church and, that's, and your picture of God is this, this God that's out there and, and kind of mean, right? And just looking for a chance to smile. That's not God, right? Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I mean, picture this loving father that, that just wants what's best for his kids. I'll do whatever is, you know, to make you best. And, but by the way, he gets to define what's best, he knows what's best it's not we define what's best and then we use him to accomplish that right he defines what's best but he wants the abundant life peace it's all the same idea that's what he came this peace he came to give to us meaning he will rightly order our lives now i understand christmas eve is one of those times uh, where maybe you're at church because you're visiting town or because grandma wants you to or whatever it is and i understand that totally but I'm speaking to, to everybody right now. You can have peace in your heart here today. You can have peace your entire life despite circumstances because that's what Jesus came to do. You know, I know again in Christmas we sing these songs and it seems kind of like a myth. I guess it's not a myth, right? Scripture is proven true over and over. Jesus really came, He really is the Son of God, He really died, He really rose from the dead, and He wants to give peace on a broad scale. So here's my question. Is Jesus your prince, your chief, your commander, your ruler of peace, completeness? Or do you have an idea of what life should be? And you, if, if you're going to go to God at all, you want him to help you accomplish what you want. Here's a picture. So Kayla helped me out last night. We did some baking. You're probably wondering what's up here, right? This this is a loaf of bread, Kayla. Good job. It worked out. This is another loaf of bread. Now, what's the difference? Those of you who uh, you know, right? This is a, a time of food. We're gonna have gumbo tomorrow, right? With home baked rolls. I'm curious. Raise your hand if you make home baked bread or rolls. Okay. All right. What's the key ingredient? Yeast. yeast. There you go. All right. So yeast. One, everything else was done exactly the same, except this one, the yeast was mixed throughout, and that's bread the way it's supposed to be. We're going to eat this later, if it doesn't get stale in the next service, right? This is how it's supposed to be. The yeast, you don't see it, but you have to work it throughout. The yeast is alive, and the yeast makes bread what it's supposed to be. This one... So Kayla and I were talking about this. I'm like, here's, here's the picture, right? Jesus is the yeast that's, that's supposed to be in our lives. But just like with, with bread, Jesus is supposed to mix throughout our entire lives. So we get peace when he's Lord of our entire lives. So how am I going to do work? I can have peace at work when Jesus is Lord of that. I can have peace in my marriage when Jesus is Lord of her. No, right, no, no. I can have peace in my marriage when Jesus is Lord of me. And if Jesus is Lord of her, that's even better. Right? But, but we can have peace when Jesus is, but it's mixed throughout all of our lives. How I handle my money. Jesus is Lord. Right, He's my Prince of Peace there. All aspects. But sometimes we just want to add Jesus to this piece or this, maybe not all. And so as Kayla and I were talking about this, I was going to leave the yeast out. And she's like, well, that doesn't fulfill the illustration. Like, don't people just try and do Jesus how they want? So I'm like, that's true. A little bit of yeast. And so we sprinkled the yeast on top and it's still kind of there, right? We didn't mix it throughout. It's like a little bit of Jesus here in my life, a little bit of Jesus, it doesn't work, right? This is not good bread. This is not even edible bread. We want our lives to be complete. Again, that word is complete, as it should be. This is as it should be, and the only difference Is the yeast is mixed throughout? And I want you to just look at this and consider your own life. Is Jesus mixed throughout your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, all aspects? If so, he will give you peace. If you just want Jesus a little bit, right, you're gonna add him to this piece, you're gonna miss out on peace, and then you're gonna even struggle with the whole religion Jesus thing because it's not working for you because you're trying to just add him in. Jesus here, right, is sent. God sent the Son to be our Prince of Peace because He loves us so much and He wants us to have, again, peace beginning within us and then spilling out. Now, we have another service, so don't come eat this bread between services. Um, I know it's tempting. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As we we wrap up and we move back to worship, we're going to go to communion. Communion uh, is a time of us remembering Jesus' death And resurrection and looking forward to his return and and here's how we do it at common ground we have three stations one here one here one back there there's gluten free back there uh, and it's gonna be busy so as the next song begins as you feel led you can get up and go grab a cup of of juice and with that cup of juice we remember Jesus's blood spilt we grab a, a cracker which we remember Jesus's body broken and so, again, as you want, get, get up and grab it. You can take it in the corner. You can pray with your family. You can come back to your seat. However you want to do it. But guess what? It's going to be busy. There's going to be lines. You might want to just sit there and wait for a while till the lines go down, whatever it is. We do that on purpose. Uh, we like the, the busyness and the bumping and the, because we think worship is participatory. Worship isn't a spectator sport where you watch the people up here worship we are trying to facilitate all of us worshiping. So this is why we do it this way. Uh, Communion is for believers only. If you have not surrendered to Jesus as Lord yet, don't take it, right? That's okay. Um, If you have willful sin in your life where you say, I I believe in Jesus, but I don't care. I'm going to do this thing. I don't care what he says about it. Don't take today. Unless you repent of that, commit to him, I'm not going to willfully walk and say, I'm going to walk your way. Because scripture tells us, right, this, this time of communion is a time of remembering what Jesus has done and, and somewhat of rededicating, of looking at our own hearts. How, how are we, God? And if there's something he reveals, we repent of it. We confess it. And then we're free to take it, again, because we're made right with God because of Jesus alone. Not any actions we do, but because his death and resurrection and our faith in him. So as you feel led, again, get up, take the bread, take the cup, remember what he's done, and here's the last part of what I love about what Jesus said. He said, do this as long as you do it in remembrance of me until I come back. Meaning, part of our taking this is we're looking forward. Jesus came once as a baby. Next time, he's coming as king, right? He's coming on a a horse, on a steed as a ruler, and he's gonna make peace on earth, and so we are looking forward to that. So again, as we worship, let me encourage you Take this as as you're ready. And if you're here and you hear this, you're like, you know what? Jesus isn't spread throughout my life. Or I've never even thought about that. Today could be the day for you. I'm gonna be in the back corner on the right. If you wanna pray about anything, I'd love to pray for you. Um, And it's all in confidence. I'm not gonna tell anybody else. If you wanna know what does it mean to actually follow Jesus and actually maybe begin to experience this peace, I would love to talk to you and pray with you. Uh, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you that you are our Prince of Peace. God, we read about it in Scripture, uh, and that's one thing. But God, I can attest this is true. This is true. I've seen it in my own heart and many other hearts of people going through very difficult things on earth with peace, um, with confidence in You. I have seen families healthy and, and complete. Now, I haven't seen a perfect one yet, but those surrendered to You, You make that complete really as it as it should be. Jesus, I thank You that You are a God of restoration. Um, of restoring what we broke. You are patient with us. You are gracious with us. And so today, I I pray that as this this service wraps up and then we go on to do our Christmas things, that we would focus on you. We would thank you for the peace that you bring. Jesus, we would thank you for your, your birth, your life, also your death and your resurrection. And God, my prayer leading up to this morning was that every soul in here would experience your peace. God, I don't know, but I know with this many people in the room, there is some turmoil. It might be relational. It might be internal with sin. It might be with you. And I know probably all of those exist. I ask, please, Holy Spirit, do what you need to do in each heart to give us peace because that's what you came to do. And if we miss it, we miss out on your purpose. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.